So it's funny, you know how yesterday we were talking about, oh, if it's a slow news day on Thursday and no news really comes out, then this will be our episode. We'll talk about biggest stories to watch in spring. Well, the Tigers decided to have like the most noteworthy spring day in the history of spring days. So we have a lot to discuss, obviously, Gio Urshela, but we got a lot of news and notes to go over all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can join today and get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. All righty. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. Happy Friday, to all, I found these sunglasses. I well, I just have such a big head, dude. Like these look too small for my face. A lot to discuss. All right, a lot to discuss. <laughs> it's just, hey, if if Thursday's slow, uh, we're gonna talk about biggest storylines out of camp, and then we proceed to have like eighty things we have to talk about in half an hour today. So uh, we'll see how close we get to half an hour. Obviously, we're going to talk Gio Urshela. That's going to be the meat and potatoes of this episode. We're going to kind of do a player preview, I guess, really, on him, talk about the type of player he is, and then spend quite a bit of time talking about not only his role on the team, uh, but also just the roster construction for opening day in general. I think this was a real, not a wrench in it necessarily, but it it, it really is uh, is going to be a fascinating conversation as everything involving the Tigers is, but um, I, I really do think that there's there's a lot to talk about there, and, and just in terms of how the roster looks and who's going to be on the roster after this, a lot more than uh, maybe uh, initially thought at first glance. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about uh, Reese Olsen is going to start the first spring training game. We'll talk about that, but spring training games start this weekend. We have two this weekend. So the next time we speak, there will have been Tigers baseball played. So we're going to talk a little bit about the starters in those games and then who uh, you can expect out of the bullpen in them as well. Uh, Then we are going to start off by talking about live BPs. So let's transition right into that. Uh, Live BPs yet again on Thursday, Casey Mize throwing. Uh, Rahelio, actually, Raj of Motor City Metrics is down in Lakeland and did a great summary and write-up of like observations of uh, of camp on Thursday. And one of those, a lot of the uh, the piece that he wrote was uh, had to do with uh, Casey Mice because he threw BPs. And uh, that's obviously going to be one of the bigger storylines in spring. So yeah, you know, I, I mean, in the the write up, he he gets into the nitty gritty. Please always go support Raj, great human being, knows ball. Um, but uh, you know, talking about more movement on his pitches, certainly never a bad thing. I'm just excited he's throwing the splitter, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I'm, you know, if if it moves more than it did the first time, great. But I'm just pumped he's throwing it, right? Like there was a, if you remember back in 2021. 
Uh, he wasn't even throwing it at one point in the season, and he couldn't get swings and misses. He couldn't get strikeouts. Uh, he was a pitch-to-week contact pitcher, and, and he was fine, right? He had a sub-4 ERA. He was solid, but uh, just like couldn't get swings and misses at all. And uh, I, I think that just knowing that he's confident and comfortable in his arm and his body to be able to throw that pitch, you know, a lot again is good. His breaking stuff looks good. He looks good, I, I thought. And there's no radar gun, and it's live BPs filmed from a cell phone. So, like, I'm not, you know, declaring anything, but he looked good in live BPs in February, for whatever that is worth to you. Um, what else? Have, I, I, that's really, like, the biggest thing. Uh, the other thing we got to talk about is Jace Young not making the opening day roster. That is official. Not a shock, not really news, but is something that was reported out of camp on Thursday, A.J. Hinch, already earlier on the very first day of camp, said that Ty Madden and Jackson Job were not going to make the team. And now on Thursday, added Jace Young into that, really citing that he the reason he's already kind of ripped that Band-Aid off and told him is that he didn't want Jace Young to feel like he, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of, kind of I don't know, uh, dark, but like he didn't want him to think he had a chance just in terms of what he did on the field. Right, he didn't want Young to think, oh, if I just get really hot and and, and I'm like crushing the baseball in these, you know, two or three weeks, then I, I have a chance of making the team. He wanted him to take a more patient approach, slow the game down, you know, work on what you can control and slowly get better. And you know, we'll see you in August if you do those things over the course of the Mud Hen season. So, kind of a mental aspect that AJ wanted to. Narrow in on, Jace Young never had a chance to make this roster, so this isn't like breaking news, right? This isn't a surprise to anybody, but I do think it's, uh, it, it is, he is going to be intriguing because I think that there is a legitimate chance that Jace Young plays Major League Baseball at some point this calendar year. Uh, it's just not going to be in the first probably half of the season. And the reason for that is he needs to prove that he can be a sustainable player at third base. That, that's really what it comes down to. And not that he's done anything to disprove that. He just hasn't played third, right? The only legitimate experience he has playing third base consistently is in the Arizona Fall League, which is a few weeks and not, uh, you know, against hit and miss competition, we'll say, right? Some really good prospects, some kind of never you mind. So um, I'm really excited to see Jace Young get a legitimate opportunity to play third base every single day in Toledo. And uh, hopefully he is able to do that. The last thing out of news and notes in camp is um, the pitching announcements for the two spring training games this weekend. Evan Petzold of the Freep, who always does a fantastic job and gives us so much, the public, great information that I then use, obviously, often on the show. I try to give him as much credit as possible. Um, so it sounds like Reese Olsen is going to start game one, which is super exciting. Uh, they have. A game on one o'clock Saturday and then again on Sunday. Now it's not like a you know, it's not the regular season, so it's a back to back, but you're probably gonna get a whole different squad for both of those games. Um, but Reese Olsen will pitch in the first game of the Tigers spring training. He will start the first game. Uh Alex Fiedo will start game two on Sunday. Uh Alex, I I hope he only gets a couple of innings. I've been really banging the drum for a long time that I, I I want Alex Fido to just focus on being a reliever, right? We did it with Malloy. We've done it with some other guys like Joey Wentz, right? Just be a reliever. I, I really want this kind of like charade of 
Alex Fido is a starter and then he's a reliever and then he's a starter and then he's a reliever to just end. I, I think it would be so much more beneficial for him to be just listed as a reliever and not that starting a spring training game means anything different. So we'll see how long he goes. I can't imagine it's more than an inning or two. Um, but the other thing is they're already planning out who is going to pitch out of the bullpen in these games as well. And this is where we get uh, our, our stellar reporting from, like I said, um, from Evan Petzold of the Freep. So it looks like Mason Englert and Brant Herter are going to pitch after Reese Olsen on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Kyder Montero and Bo Brisky. Uh, looks like Bo Brisky didn't specify Saturday or Sunday. It just said over the weekend. But uh, Kyder Montero is definitely pitching on Sunday. I'll tell you what. If, if you know, we talked about Eddie's Leonard yesterday and how he's kind of a, one of the dark horse candidates to uh, to to maybe maybe not after the Gio Urshela signing, I guess. But uh, we, we were talking about him yesterday and how there might be a, a Hail Mary chance for him to get on this roster uh, at that point. I think that, you know, Kyder Montero is a guy that that is kind of in a similar vein on the pitching side of things. I, we'll do our player preview of him here in the next week or two, but uh, he's a guy that I think really could surprise some people. And if he looks good, he could absolutely play his way into that conversation really quickly. I think this organization likes Kyder Montero a lot. So those are your news and notes, except for the biggest news and note, which is the Tigers officially signed Gio Urshela to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Let's talk about it. All right. We'll do that right after this. Today, we got to talk about our new friends over at Backblaze. Backblaze makes backing up and accessing your data astonishingly easy. Uh, you have unlimited backup for Mac PC businesses for just $99 a year. You can protect business data with a centrally managed ad admin console and back all of your data up on multiple machines. Enterprise control add-ons support cybersecurity and advanced govern governance that, uh, and again, like this is unlimited backup for your business, for your Mac, PC, et cetera, for less than $100 a year. 55 plus billion files have been restored for customers across the world. You can restore by mail. Hard drive restores are shipped right to your door. Really, really cool. One-year free retention and virgin history. Uh, look, th there's a no-risk free trial as well at backblaze.com slash MLB. Plenty of time to upload and download some files. Seriously, back your stuff up. Backblaze.com slash MLB. You can sign up for free and see why Backblaze is recommended by Inc. Magazine. Go to backblaze.com slash MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Monday. Talking about some spring training baseball, babies. Talking about some ball games being played over the weekend. Doing our player previews throughout the week as well. Uh, not all the games will be televised. And the fact of the matter is some games just won't have a full 30 minutes in the spring to kind of break down. So we will continue rolling out our player previews. We plan on getting through the whole 40-man roster before opening day. Also be sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. The first ever 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And it's now also available on Amazon Fire TV in the free Fire TV channels app. Okay, so talking about Gio Urshela, the newest member of the Detroit Tigers 
40-man roster and presumably a major league roster. We'll talk about that here in a second. So uh, the contract is officially one year, 1.5. I've said that about nine times now, but there are uh, performance bonuses as well. You can earn up to $500,000 for a certain amount of plate appearances, $100,000 each for 500, 530, 560, 590, and 620 plate appearances. So he does have performance incentives. And I just really, and and at bad incentives, I really like how the Tigers are so public about their contracts these days. That's a new thing in the Scott Harris era. Players and agents love it. Um, so I'd imagine that that is why the Tigers are doing it. Um, so yeah, under every single like tweet where the, when the Tigers sign somebody, you can see the exact you know, uh, the exact numbers of their contract and the exact details. That's what I'm thinking of, of their deal. And I, I think that that's really cool. Um, the corresponding move uh, is to DFA TJ Hopkins for assignment. As we said, what, what was that two days ago? Um, as we said, then I, I would be shocked if he made it to the opening day roster on the 40 man. And here we are. Uh, just again, this is something that Scott Harris does. He he adds people to the 40 that are put on waivers, then puts them on waivers, and then they don't get claimed, and then they're just in your minor league system. So uh, hopefully he clears and he can just stay in the Tiger system down there in Toledo, presumably. Um, let's talk about Gio Urshela finally after about 19 times I've said. Let's talk about Gio Urshela. Last season for the Los Angeles Angels, uh, he played in just 62 games, had a pretty uh, big, he had a broken, what, fibula? He broke a bone there, or maybe it was his pelvis, actually. Broke up, maybe it was his hip. Broke something in his body, missed a lot of time there in the second half of the season, barely played after the month of July, um, but had a 299 batting average, a 329 OBP, a 374 slug. That was good enough for a 703 OPS, which was a 92 WRC plus. So about 8% worse than league average in terms of weighted runs created and as far, you know, ballparking about the same in terms of OPS, um, but was almost a 300 hitter was worth 0.4 F4 in again, just 62 games uh, only had two home runs and 24 RBIs, 15.8% strikeout rate paired with a 4.4% walk rate. Um, so I, I guess let's let's keep talking about him as a player. Okay. Uh my, my initial reaction is thumbs up. I, I don't I find it very hard to get too worked up over a one-year, one and a half million dollar deal. Worst case scenario, he sucks and you're out a 1.5 mil for just this calendar year. And then it's off the books next year. Anyway, I, it, it's it, like, it's, I, I don't, I think this is uh this is, there is no risk, right? This is uh this is an only reward type of move. If it works out in the risk being just a, a small amount of money and a roster spot opens up and you can then call up Jace young and like, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's whatever. So I'm totally fine with it. I, I have no qualms or issues with giving him the deal. Um, I do think that there's something to be talked about in terms of role on the team. I think a lot of people are under the assumption that Gio Urshela is just guaranteed the guy that's going to come in and play 140 to 150 games at third base this year. I'm not necessarily sure that's a guarantee. We'll talk about that later. Let's stick with player profile for now. Uh, as I said, uh, a contact hitter through and through, 277 career 
batting average and a 745 career OPS. Uh, so not a ton of pop and not a ton of walks, um, but his walk numbers have been inconsistent, I guess would be the way to put it, over the last four to five years. Uh, if you go back to 2019, his walk rates are 5.3% in 2019, 10.3% in the shortened COVID 2020 season, 4.5% in 2021, 7.5% in 2022, and then back down to 4.5% in 2023. So, uh, uh, you know, even at his best, he's not going to be like a really high walk rate guy, uh, but does have the ability to be a little bit closer to a league average. Um, but his biggest calling card is bat to ball skills. He does not swing and miss. It's been a thing his entire career. He does not swing and miss very often. He does not strike out very often. His career K percentage is under 19%. Uh, that, that's very impressive. So, a guy who really is a, a put-the-ball-in-play type of hitter. Now, in 2022, he actually had one of the best years of his entire career. Uh, the only year that that maybe is better is that 2019 he had for the New York Yankees. But uh, if, if you're a, a, a long-standing Tiger fan, which I know many of you obviously are, you will remember Gio Urshela from the 2022 Minnesota Twins, uh, who kind of was a thorn in our side at points Throughout that season, uh, in his one year in Minnesota in 2022, that was the year, again, he had a 7.5% walk rate, a 17.4% K rate, 285 batting average, a 338 OVP, and a 429 slug with 13 home runs and 64 RBIs. Was worth 2.5 war, according to fan graphs. Really solid. Uh, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you will remember a tantrum I threw basically on air back probably about two years ago now. I think I think it was preseason. Had no, I, I might have been a little too optimistic going into preseason of 2022. Actually, now that I think about it, might have been midseason 2022. So maybe closer to like a year and a half ago, um, where I basically just whined on air and was like, "I am just begging for. I, I am dying and longing." for just a two-war player, right? Like, like we have so many guys who have come in and, and we're, we're splitting hairs between like Victor Reyes and Willie Castro and like who can be what and Harold Castro and, you know, what they provide. I, I'm just, I'm begging for an everyday two to two and a half war player. And Gio Urshela has done that twice in his career when giving when given the playing time. Even in 2020, it was a one-war player, obviously the COVID season, so that was just 43 games, but you prorate that, it's a pretty good season. So um, this guy can this guy can play ball. And uh, when talking about his fit, I think you have to start with what he does defensively. Um, has played third base for a majority of his career. Now, this is always a fascinating conversation to me because now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of defensive metrics. And I, I think that that's such a fascinating conversation because some people only really look at outs above average OAA, uh, which takes into account a lot of range type of factors, right? How your ability to get to the ball. That's why Javi Baez grades out so well in OAA, despite having a ton of errors every year, um, because he, he has incredible range and he can get to a wide range of balls. Uh, Gio Rochella last year had a zero OAA, which is very much like right around league average, actually slightly better than league average, funny enough, zero being in the 55th percentile in baseball, um, but uh, played 
First base, third base, and shortstop for the Angels. Most at third base with a few opportunities at first and and short. Averaged out to zero OAA. Was a plus one at first, a zero at third, and a minus one at short. But has been a zero for most of his career at shortstop. But also has a lot of negative in his OAA if you look before 2023. And... If you look at defensive runs saved, which is a different defensive metric, obviously, uh, he grades out in the DRS department really well. So in his career, he is a plus 10 defensive runs saved at third base in his, again, now eight or nine year career, even though he is a negative 18 in outs above average at third base across his career. His career best in OAA is zero. His career best at DRS is plus six. And he also has a plus five and a plus four, right? Like he he has some some really uh, decent seasons in that regard. So uh, really good glove. Maybe doesn't have a cr- uh, the crazy range that you want to see out of a third baseman, uh, but certainly is a sound defender and uh, is not going to make too many mistakes over there, which uh, again, one year, one and a half mil, not going to ask for for too much more than that. So sound defender can flash the leather a little bit has, has certainly has made his fair share of highlights over the years. Um, and yeah, good enough arm strength. He's not exactly lighting up the radar gun. I'm, I'm going to put it that way. Um, but it's, he's not like a liability in that department either. So now that we've kind of talked about the profile that he is uh, just really through and through contact, 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 Hits over 300 against uh, fastballs pretty much every year of his career. Hit over 300 against breaking balls last year. Hit over 300 against off-speed in 2022. So, like, he has the ability to just put the bat on the ball no matter what. Does not whiff very often. Uh, I I think is a a sound addition to the bottom of this lineup. Let's talk about role on the team. Because that's where I think this, this conversation actually is the meat and potatoes. I think that that's probably the the biggest part of this signing is talking about his role on the team, what the major league team is going to look like, and also then what the opening day roster kind of moves are going to look like as we narrow this roster down now with him getting thrown in there. All right, let's do all of that right after this. We talk about it every day, but we got to talk again about our friends over at FanDuel because they are the best in the business. So it's my pleasure to talk about them every day. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins, but on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all so much for tuning in. Uh, So we're talking about Gio Urshela. We talked about his profile, what he brings. Um, I I mean, I think my favorite stat uh, is... That well, we actually there's one more thing we have to talk about. I, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. I want to talk about righty lefty, but that does kind of transition nicely into his role on the team. I think my favorite stat is that in 2022, Gio Urshela's last full season, uh, he had an OPS 10 points higher than Matt Chapman. I think that's my favorite stat. And, and 
I'm not trying to like <laughs> push a narrative or anything. Obviously, Matt Chapman has a much higher ceiling and is and is going to be worth more war and is a better player than Gio Urshela. Okay, calm down, take a deep breath. Uh, I wasn't in, insinuating anything. Just uh, 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 a stat that jumped out at me: ten point higher OPS and a much higher batting average in 2022, despite Chapman hitting 27 home runs in 2022. Um, so. The, the last thing to bring up with Urshela is um, how they are going to utilize him. And I think that the Tigers, I, I tweeted this out, are very quietly uh, kind of putting together this, this lineup that you can really play matchups in a lot of different ways. And I think that that's really exciting given who our manager is, a guy who really likes to do that and utilize lineups in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I am I am fascinated by how many different lineup cards we are going to see this year, because I think it's going to be a lot. And we'll try and do the what's your lineup card look like game as we get closer to opening day, but I think it's going to be all for naught. I think we're going to see a lot. Uh, <laughs> if you told me that we'd see 100 different lineups in 2024, I'd believe you, right? Like I'd be like, oh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but the reason for that is there's a lot of platoons. There's a lot of guys that are are really good against lefties and maybe struggle against righties and obviously vice versa. So Gio Urshela's career platoon splits, okay, across his career, decently long career currently, okay, not 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 a small sample size. So in his career has a 734 OPS against righties with a 272 batting average and against lefties in his career has a 773 OPS with a 290 batting average. So pretty similar, 40 point different in OPS, 18 point different in batting average, clearly is better against lefties than righties. I mean, most years you're talking about that being the difference between an above league average OPS and a below league average OPS, but that isn't some awful number against righties is my point. That is a pretty darn solid split against lefties, okay? High contact, little, not a lot of pop, but 445 career slug against lefties, right? When talking about last year, his 2023 splits, again, weird season, got hurt, missed the entire second half. Um, but in those 60-ish games with the Angels, had an 868 and almost a 500 slug against lefties. Uh, that is a 373 average and an 868 OPS. And then against righties, had a 276 average and a 652 OPS. So a huge difference, right? 200 points in OPS, you know, 100 points in batting average. Very, very big difference. Not that 276 is an awful average, but not, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know what the, not packing a punch really with those hits, right? Doesn't walk very often, didn't get very many extra base hits out of it. So I think that. Um, that is is something to bring up, is that righty-lefty kind of platoon split. In 2022, his last full season, his platoon split was versus righties, a 763 OPS and a 283 average, versus lefties, a 775 OPS and a 291 average. Those are almost the same at that point, right? Those are very, very, very similar. Uh, he's never going to have a ton of home run power. If you get double digits home double digit home runs out of him, uh, that's a win. His power dropped off immensely last year, right? Uh, if you compare 2022 to 2023, just in terms of hard hit rate, uh, sweet spot percentage, barrel rate, average exit below, whatever stat you want to use, 
to talk about how hard someone hits a baseball. Uh, he fell off mightily in that department, but he kept putting the bat on the ball and kept putting the ball in play. And that's always going to kind of be his calling card. So we, we have a question about power. We have a question about walk rate. Who even knows, right? It could be anywhere from 75 to 8% down to 4% and anywhere in between. But the strikeout rate is going to be low. The batting average is going to be decent. Role on the team is, is really, really intriguing and, and interesting to me. Um, I, I think that, that this spells that Matt Veerling is going to get more of a look in the outfield and is not going to be just plugged in as the everyday third baseman. Now, Abanez was going to get looks at third at some point, regardless, obviously. But they've been talking a lot more, Zach McKinstry, getting more looks in the outfield. Um, Matt Veerling, we know, can play the outfield. He's probably his best position is corner outfield. So I think that there is this mixing and matching that you can do, especially, again, with the platoons. You now have Abanez, righty. You have Veerling, righty. You have McKinstry, lefty. You have Urshela, righty. Colt Keith, obviously, lefty, right? Like, like you have this kind of nice little grab bag of, uh, depending on the matchup, who's going to be on the bench and when the, you know, we know A.J. Hinge loves to pinch hit. When the other team goes into their bullpen, you can have a righty and a lefty on your bench. I do think, for Zach McKinstry's sake, he better hit righties well. That's kind of my stance on that. I, I, I think that this signing really spells the last roster spot is probably still Zach McKinstry's, but if he doesn't hit righties, it's going to be a short-lived stint because uh, that is the reason that he he still has a roster spot. The positional versatility, obviously, right? Whoever gets that last roster spot is probably going to have to play multiple positions. But <laughs> if, if he can't hit righties, then having a lefty on the bench doesn't really matter if he can't hit the righties that you put him up against. So I think that he it would be in his best interest to hit righties really well. Uh, we'll talk about, I guess we can transition that into kind of that last roster spot. If we assume a few things, and you know what they say about assuming, but if we assume a few things, one, we assume that they're going to carry five starters. Two, we assume that they're going to carry eight relievers. Okay, That's standard for both. Normal, like mostly every other season and mostly like every other team is probably going to do. We also, if we assume that Ibanez and Veerling are both locks to make the roster, that leaves one roster spot left. And... That one roster spot, I think, is between Zach McKinstry, who I think would get the nod right now, uh, Ryan Kreidler, who I know we just did a player preview, and I was like, oh, maybe. Now, no, uh, right? I think it would be pretty far-fetched for him to make the team out of camp at this point. Justin Henry Malloy, obviously in that mix. Akil Badu, obviously in that mix. Keston Hira, obviously in that mix. You got four or five guys all fighting for that 26th spot on the roster now after this move. Um, it, it gets a little bit of stability toward third base. I also want to say that I don't think that this just means that Urshela is just going to be handed the keys to third base and that's all there is to it. I don't think that this is just, oh, we, we have our, our starting third baseman that's going to play 100, 140, 150 games over at third and, and we don't even need to think about it right. Just, uh, just, just like forget it, no thought in making the lineup cards. 
I, I think that uh, he will certainly be the third baseman against lefties. I think that that's pretty safe to say. Against righties, I think that Beerling's probably still going to get a look. I think Abanez could even get a look, but he was mostly kind of a lefty platoon guy as well. Probably anticipate him to get more of a look against lefties, but we don't know how Colt Keith is going to hit against Major League left-handed pitching, right? We assume that he's, he's going to be a good hitter. I love Colt Keith more than anybody, but this gives you a little bit of insurance because, and this is, goes back to the uh, the positional versatility and how good of a defender Gio Urshela is, he has played all over the infield. He's played shortstop, he's played second, he's played third. So I fully expect Urshela to get a look in several different positions. I expect him to, to play second base this year. I expect him to play majority third, right? And and I'm I'm not comparing these two players. I'm just comparing their usage. Okay. So I'm not saying that this is he's gonna play like this and perform like this. For all of our sake, I hope he doesn't. But like Nick Maton last year, he played more third base more than anybody else on the team, but he played quite a bit of second as well. And you it's different, right? You have Colt Keith who you signed a contract to. Uh, I hope Colt Keith rakes against both and hits well against both handedness. And we don't even have to worry about a platoon situation. I don't predict or assume that that is going to happen. I'm just saying you have the depth to accommodate for anything. And I think that that is why they did this move. I think that that's why I really like it. I love it as a as a as a depth signing move. You didn't fork over, you know, uh, all star third baseman caliber money. So that's not what I'm expecting. You signed him to a one and a half million dollar deal. That's that's like super utility depth type of you know contract we're talking about. But you have a hole at third base. He plays solid third. You you know what he can do at the plate. And at worst, you have a guy that can play third against lefties. At best, you have your guy that's going to play third base for a majority of the season. Matt Veerling, like I said, probably means that he's going to get more of a look in corner outfield, which is why I still am confident that, uh, and Veerling will play third. Don't get it twisted. This is not, again, I don't think Gio Urshela is just guaranteed just going to be the third baseman every day. He might end up being it, but it's it's far from a guarantee. I, I think it's ridiculous to just assume that that's going to be the case. Veerling will play third at some point this season, but I think now you've opened the door for him to be able to be that true super utility player that I have been begging. I'm going to cry that I've been begging for him to be over the last calendar year, right? Do you remember like he only played corner outfield in the first half and I came on here and I was like, man, it's so ridiculous. This is stupid. I want him to play third base a little bit. I want to see what he looks like at second. We got him from the Phillies. He can play all these different positions in spring training in 2023. We were told Matt Beerling can play all these positions. In the first half of the year, he only played outfield. And I was pissed off. And I was like, play him at third. Then they solely played him at third. And he was solid. He was a fine defender. He, he wasn't a liability there. He was a net zero, you know, defensive third baseman. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. We now have this super utility guy. Don't make him the opening day third baseman. Don't think that he's just like your third baseman in the future. But you now have this kind of super utility guy. And then I got scared. And then I told everyone two days ago that, like, stop freaking out when you see Matt Veerling clips at third because he's going to be the opening day third baseman. And here we are. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong plenty more. Um, I, I I do think that Matt Veerling has a chance to really flourish in this role. Just looking at the bench in general, 
uh, a bench of Veerling, Ibanez, and McKinstry. I, I don't mean to be super dramatic or hype it up as more than what it is, which at the end of the day is a bench. A bench is not going to be the difference between 90 wins and 70 wins. But I'll tell you what, that is a darn good bench. It, it that like objectively, that I think that's one of the better, if not the best, bench in the division. Uh, and I think that that's worth something. I think having that roster flexibility, that roster versatility to go and and play matchups and move and mix and match people in a lot of different situations is, is exactly what uh, the best AJ Hinch teams do. I think that because the Tigers don't have the top end talent to to at third base specifically to just like plug and play a guy and have him play there um that this is how you you know to quote moneyball recreate him in the aggregate and uh i think that the tigers have given themselves the opportunity to do that so um i i, I this is a two thumbs up for me i don't see anything uh super i don't know like there's there's no huge red flags here uh again it, it, if it doesn't work out the biggest risk you take is 1.5 mil over a year if it doesn't work then okay we then we go back to Veerling and Ibanez and McKinstry and Jace Young hopefully gets called up in August. Like it, it's, it's not that big of a deal if it doesn't work out. Um, I, I love this as a low risk, high reward type of move. Um, that doesn't mean I think Gio, Gio Rochelle is an all-star. Okay. That, that doesn't, you know, people are, <laughs> there's still plenty of people out there that see this and you're like, oh my goodness, we're bargain hunting. Like this is, I, I, can't, I can't get excited about Gio Rochelle. Fine. I, I understand. We didn't go out there and break the bank on anybody. Um, but I'll be darned if they didn't finally address third base. And I think you could do a lot worse. And, uh, I think that now you are, you have arranged your team to be in a position to, uh, to, to really optimize your lineup every single day and can't ask for too much. Well, you can ask for a lot more than that. Not going to say that or else people get mad at me, but, uh, I, I think that that's a good place to start. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back on Monday talking about some spring training baseball, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then. Go Tigers.